So this morning we're going to get into our message. And as I mentioned earlier, it's called, If You Can. If You Can. I kind of added the subtitle up. Seriously? But If You Can. Right? So how many of you have ever had someone challenge you to do something that they thought was going to be super difficult? Somebody was like, hey, if you can do this, I'll give you this. Because they're like, ah, this is impossible. There's no way you're going to actually be able to do this. Like, I remember my brother, we were learning how to shoot bow. You know, we, our family were, were big outdoorsmen, big hunters, and, and we got into archery. And my brother's like, if you can hit three bullseyes in a row, I'll buy you a pizza. Because he's like, there's no way. I don't know what we were shooting at, 30 yards, 40 yards, whatever. He's like, there's no way, though, you're going to be able to do it. And I was like, you think I can't? If you can, he said, if you can do this. And I just laughed, right? And what, what happened? I didn't do it. I, I didn't hit the three bullseyes, you know. But it wasn't that I necessarily couldn't. I just didn't with those couple shots. And if, if you, you know, shoot, you know that not every shot's a perfect shot, you know. It's hard to always be perfect. But it's just that idea of someone challenging you and saying, if you can, right? It kind of gets you going. Oh, yeah, you think I can't do that? I'll show you, right? And so we're going to kind of look at a little bit of that idea this morning, and not quite with maybe the attitude that I would have of like, seriously, you think I can't do that? Um, but, but we're going to look at a story of Jesus where someone asked him that question. They said, if you can. And you won't believe uh, how he, or, you know, who, that somebody actually asked Jesus that, right? Somebody actually asked him that. So we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 9. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, you can feel free to. We'll get to that. Uh, here in just a moment, and as always, it'll be on the screen behind us for your convenience as well. So we're going to look at the story of Jesus healing the demon-possessed boy. Uh, but we're going to look at maybe a little bit different part of it than often maybe is focused on when people look uh, at this particular story. And so in Mark chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 14, and we're going to read through 29. So it's a little bit of a longer passage, and then we'll break it down. So here we go with verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, uh, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. <laughs> I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, question mark, said Jesus. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Some translations of the Bible will also include with that verse. Right? So it's kind of a fascinating story, really, when we read through the story. But here we, we find the dad, right? He's got his son who has this impure spirit or, you know, a, a demon, some may call it. So he's got this, this possession, and, and he's bringing, he's saying, I, I want my son to be healed. He brings him to the disciples because he's heard about the ministry of Jesus and the disciples and how people are being healed and delivered and set free from different things. So he says, I'm going to bring my son there. I want to see my son healed. But we, we read here, and the passage says that he brought him to the disciples, and he's not being healed. And all of a sudden, Jesus hears this arguing. Like, what are these people arguing about? What's going on? going on over here? What's this crowd all about? And the father tells Jesus, he said, I brought my son to your disciples to be healed, and they weren't able to do so. Jesus then scolds them by calling them an unbelieving generation. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long do I need to be with you? How long, how, how long is it going to take you guys to begin to believe in who I am, to believe in, in the power in the name of Jesus and what God has called us to? Jesus, he says, then he says to the father, please bring your boy to me. And as soon as the demon sees Jesus, he throws the boy into another convulsion. Right? And if you've been around anyone, maybe who deals with seizures, you know, it, it can be uh, a little bit horrific at times to see that. And, and I imagine that's similar to what was happening with, with this boy here. You know, and so it's a scary situation to be around someone that's experiencing that type of an episode. And that's, that, that's similar, I believe, to what's going on with this boy here. But the next four verses, verses 21 through 25, are kind of the four verses we're going to focus on for a while this morning. Starting with verse 21, Jesus asks the Father, he says, how long has the boy been suffering with this? Right? How long, how long has this been going on? And he replies by saying, since his childhood, from his childhood. So it makes you imagine... You know, that it's been going on for quite some time. We don't know exactly how old the boy is or exactly how young he was when it started. But it would seem as though this has been happening over a pretty long period of time. Continuing on, then, um, the dad says, It's tried to kill him by throwing him into both water and fire at different times. In the second part of verse 22, this is again 22 and 23 what we're focusing on. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response to the Father. He says, if you can, like, as if to say, I'm Jesus. If I can heal your son, right? And I, I, I imagine that the, the Father not even being able to hardly finish that sentence of saying, if you can, please take pity on me. And Jesus, if I can, right, jumping in immediately. If I can Jesus then goes on to say, what does he say? He says, everything is possible for the one who believes. This is the second time we see this idea of belief in the passage, right? The first time, Jesus calls them an unbelieving generation. He says, you unbelieving generation. Now this time he's saying, if you believe, all things are possible. All things are possible to the one who believes. 
So after Jesus tells you that, right, that all you have to do is believe and respond, this is how the father re responded in verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. What I love about this response from the father here is he's not simply saying, God, or Jesus, I do believe. He also says, but Jesus, help me to overcome my unbelief. Because sometimes it's not that we don't necessarily believe in something. It's that something happens and we begin to lose belief in what it is that we once believed in before. And so that's what the, the Father's saying here is, I believe in you, but help me when, when those times where I question or help me in those times where maybe I begin to doubt my belief in who you are. Help me to overcome that unbelief that I have. Right? Because how many times have, have you, and, and I ask myself, how many times have we become discouraged and we begin to lose our belief in something? Right? It doesn't even necessarily need to be in context of Jesus, right? This is a silly example. You're going to laugh at this. But what's rolling around the court? Football season, right? right? So we're all excited. We're like, yes, the Vikings are going to have another solid year. They've got a chance to do good. But what happens if the first four games, all of a sudden, they're one and three? We begin to become discouraged. We begin to, to quit believing in the fact that they have an opportunity to have a good season. Right? We, we become filled with discouragement. And, and what we once believed in, we no longer are believing in anymore. We begin to lose faith and lose belief in them. And think, oh great, here's another lost year. Looking on to next year already. You know, but that, that, as I said, that's a silly example. But that's the case. Sometimes we believe in something. And we, we can be so go home 110% believing in something. And all of a sudden, a roadblock comes in the way. And now it's 90% belief, 80% belief, 70%, and it just kind of keeps dwindling. But the Father, he says, Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Right? So how many times, without even realizing it, do we start to stop believing that Jesus can do what he says he can do? Maybe we don't say it, we don't go, oh, I don't believe Jesus can do this anymore. But maybe our actions, maybe the way we carry ourselves, we begin to doubt that Jesus actually can. Or we doubt that he actually will. Right? Not even intentionally sometimes. And in doing so, we, we, we have this doubt that begins to come into our lives and into our hearts and in our minds. But getting back to the story of Jesus, right? Back to the story from Mark here. Jesus rebukes the spirit, and as the boy goes into another convulsion, as he violently begins to shake, the spirit leaves his body. And it said that the boy almost looked like a corpse. And as Jesus did, what does he do? He took something that looked like it had no life, and he brought life to it. Just like you and I, there was a point in our life, before we knew Jesus, where we didn't have new life. We didn't have eternal life in us. And as Jesus came into our, our, our heart, life came to us once again. He looked nearly dead, and as I said, many died of the corpse, and Jesus picks him up, and he's full of life once again. And then Jesus and his disciples, they, they go inside into an area where they're private, and the disciples are like, Jesus, why weren't we able to do that? Why weren't we able to cast out the spirit out of that boy? 
He responds by saying, there are some things that only happen by prayer and fasting. So wait, wait a second here. Jesus' disciples, who walked around with him, who were part of his ministry, and saw amazing things happen, what this kind of tells us here is that they came in, and either it was unbelief that Jesus, or God, was able to drive the Spirit out of this boy, or they just straight up forgot to really even pray for this boy. That, that, that's what we're reading here. Or they forgot to spend time preparing through fasting that this boy may receive the healing that the Father so desperately desires for him. Sounds crazy, right? But if we look at our lives, we say, you know what? How many times when things get chaotic, how many times do we forget to pray? How many times do we, we get so busy trying to figure out a solution, trying to figure out how do we handle this situation, that instead of taking a moment to stop and pray and ask God to help us, we just try to bulldoze through it on our own. Disciples don't seem quite so foolish right now, do they? Because we've all been there, myself included, saying, I'll figure it out. No, stop, slow down, take a moment, pray. For there are things that will not happen if prayer and fasting are not a part of it. The disciples were normal people, just like you and I. And sometimes they did things that were a little bit foolish. And that's okay. It helps me relate with them and say, you know what? I have my foolish times, but so did Peter. So did John. So did the disciples. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, okay, I, I understand what it's saying there. It's saying we have to believe. All things are possible to those who believe. But maybe you're still struggling to believe that God really can do what he says he can. We're going to flip over uh, just a couple books to the book of Romans now. So if you want, you can turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. And we're going to look at chapter 8 of Romans. And we're going to start with verses 14 through 17 of Romans chapter 8. Which read, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Right? So we, we read through this passage here. And in these couple verses, what is it telling us? It's telling us that as we come into relationship with the Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us, we become children of God. We become part of the family of God. And what does it mean when you're a child? of someone means that you're an heir to them, right? Just like we're an heir to our mothers and fathers here on earth, it's saying here that we are an heir to God and a co-heir with Christ and what God is doing as Christ lives in our lives. Isn't it great to know that you and I get to be a part of the family of God, right? Because, you know, I'm blessed that I'm a part of a loving family, but there are, there are many people in our world today who don't know what it's like to be a part of a loving family. You know what? They have an opportunity to do so by being a part of the family of God, by coming into a loving 
family, with brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the opportunity to be a part of the family of God. Also, when we think of a father, what do we think of? We think of one who would be willing to do anything for their child. Anything to protect and, and provide. And God is the same way. God will do anything for you as you're obedient, as you follow him, to help you to accomplish the will that he has for you in your life. To help you accomplish the will that he has for you in your life. So we often talk about how Jesus intercedes on, on the right hand of the Father for us, right? And that's true. Jesus, he, he went back up into heaven and he intercedes on the right hand of the throne on our behalf. But do you guys know there's someone else who intercedes for us as well? The Holy Spirit. If we read again here in chapter 8 of Romans, uh, starting with verse 24, it says, For in this hope we, are, we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Right? So we hear, we hear that verse 28, we hear that one all the time. Right? God works, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But we often don't maybe read the couple passages before that. Right? So here it says that we do not hope for what we've already seen, but rather we hope for what we have not yet. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to hope for what we've seen. We've already experienced it. We've already been through that. It's saying we ought to hope for what we have not yet seen. We patiently wait as we spend time in prayer. We spend time seeking God and His direction for our lives. But who knows that sometimes we don't always have all the words to say when it comes to prayer, right? I've been there, and I'm sure many of you are going, yeah, I feel like I, I should be praying or I, I need to be praying for someone else, but I just don't have the words right now. I don't know what to say. Thankfully, as believers, again, as the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, we don't have to have the words to say at all times. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. He will guide and direct us as far as what to say. Whether that's through giving us words that we speak out in, in English in a conversation with someone, or through our prayer language that we have of God speaking out through this, the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is always interceding for us in accordance with for God's will in our lives. That's great to hear. Right? And we sang about that this morning in that song. It said, Word of God, speak. Saying, so you know what? Sometimes I don't have the word. Sometimes I'm in utter silence. And that's okay. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you in those moments. We don't always have to know what to say. But the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. Again, as children of God, we know that he's in the midst of everything we go through in our lives. He's continually making a way for us to bring glory to him in our lives as we're obedient to his guiding and direction. It's great to know that between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that there are individuals who are constantly interceding and praying on our behalf. Not to mention, for, for many of us, we have many other people who are praying and interceding for us as well family members, 
who are praying and interceding for one another for God's will to be accomplished in our lives. One last passage that I want to focus on before we kind of begin to, to, to wrap up this morning again in Romans chapter 8. We're going to move down to verse 37. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God when we have a relationship through Jesus Christ. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's what I mentioned that earlier this morning. I saying, you know what? I know some of us are going through struggles or things are going But we can proclaim victory has been provided already. And walk in the victory that has been provided through Jesus. Through his death and his resurrection. Overcoming sin and death forever. Right? That's through Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. He overcame death and sin forever. So now, as believers, it says here that we are more than conquerors through God. For there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And I, I love that it doesn't just say there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and moves on to the next thing. He gives us a li- illustrations here. He says, not life nor death, right? Because we know that we have eternal life through Jesus. Not life nor death. Neither angels nor demons. Not the present nor the future. No powers, no height nor depth, nor anything else in creation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means, yes, God can. It means we don't have to ask the question anymore, if you can, like the father did in the story here, saying, if you can, but we can say, we know that God can. We know God can. We have confidence and in 100% belief and knowing that God can can and is more than able to do so. We don't have to ask the question, if you can anymore, for we know that he's more than able to do so. We can keep our belief in him and what his word says, regardless of what anyone else might try to say to us, right? Because you know, maybe you're walking through uh, some type of a medical situation right now and people are going, hey, I'm sorry, that's, that's rare, it's, it's probably... Not that likely that they're going to be able to help you out. You're going, you know what? I don't have to listen to that. Because I have a God who says, no, I can. I can overcome. I can take care of that situation. So, so my desire here is that we would become a body of believers. And I'm not talking about believers in the sense of having a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about truly believing that Jesus can do all. Not question, not saying Jesus can do this, this, and this, but I'm unsure if Jesus can do these things. No. He can do all of it. He can do everything. Believing that. Through a relationship with Jesus, we have faith to believe that Jesus can do what he says he can do. That God's word is absolute truth. All things are possible through Jesus. But what did we learn this morning? Not only that he can, the second part of it, is that we must believe. Knowing that he can, but not believing, doesn't help anything. We need to believe 
that he's able to do these things. We must have faith in not believing in what we've seen so far, but in believing in what we have yet to see, and having hope of what is yet to come. The promises of God is we are heirs in the family of Christ. If he sent his son Jesus to die for us and to overcome death and sin, do you think he's simply going to stop there? I don't think so. Jesus isn't done. The work of Christ in our lives and in our world today and in those who are yet to come, the work is not done. Jesus is still moving. He still can. And he is. So the question for us today is, is we begin to, we're going to get ready to wind down here in a moment, is what are you in your life right now asking God if you can? Because I know there's many of you in here this morning who came in this morning probably asking that question or saying, God, if you could, God, if you can, if you would only, what is it that you're asking God that question for? Maybe you're saying, God, if you can restore my marriage, if you can repair the relationship I have with my spouse, God, can, can, if you can provide healing for my cancer or my heart condition or my hearing, my vision, the respiratory issues I'm doing, if you can, that would be great. God, if you could provide me a job, if you could provide us a house, if you could bring healing into my family, if you could restore and reunite relationships within my family, God, if you could deliver me from the addiction that I'm dealing with, if you could. God, if you could renew my mind, the, 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 the thoughts that I have, God, if you could renew my mind and re replace the thoughts I have that are not pleasing to you, that are not honoring to you, God, if, if you could somehow provide finances, if you could. There's not an if you could. It's, God, I know you can restore my marriage. God, I know you can provide healing in my life. God, I know that you can provide a job. God, I know that you have a place for me and my family to be. God, I know that your desire is to heal and restore and reunite my family. God, I know your desire is to deliver me from the addiction that I'm currently living underneath. God, I know that you want to renew my mind through the working of the Holy Spirit. And God, I know that you are more than able to provide the finances. God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. God, I know you're able to provide finances. I want to encourage you this morning, stop asking if you can and say, God, I know you can. God, I know you can. And I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to believe that you're able to do those things in my life. And God, as I do so, I have a hope of looking for what I have not yet seen, but what is yet to come, of the healing, of the restoration, of the provision, of the deliverance, of the renewing in my mind, in my family, in my home, in our community. God, I want to see this community come to know Christ. I want to see it changed and transformed as a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to read some lyrics to you from a song that I recently heard. I would have played it, but I can't even find a recording of it. But here, it's a song called That Kind of Faith. And this is what the lyrics say. I'm going to read them. It says, they tell me with a mustard seed. Uh, it'll be on the screen. They tell me with a mustard seed, not all of them are up there, sorry. That I can make the mountains fall to the sea. I want that kind of faith. 
They said that if I shine your light, I can make the darkness run and hide. I want that kind of faith. I want to see the impossible. I want to do the unthinkable. I want to live all the dreams that you have for me today. I want to brave the uncomfortable. I want to step into the great unknown. Every day you give, I want to live that kind of faith. Doubt has been my silhouette following at every step, but it's time for this to end. I'm so tired of falling short. You made me for so much more. And now I'm done with giving in. Again, the course, I want to see the impossible. I want to do the unthinkable. I want to live all the dreams you have for me today. I want to brave the uncomfortable, step into the great unknown. Every day you give me, I want to live that kind of faith. God, give me the strength to change and be bold with what I pray. Trust the power of your name, that kind of faith. And again, it moves into the chorus. But that kind of faith, that kind of belief in saying, God, I know that you're able to do these things. God, maybe uh, we, have, we have individuals who've been praying for, for restoration and, and restoring and deliverance and, and provision for years. I want to encourage you, don't stop. Keep believing. Maybe you've been praying and you haven't seen a breakthrough yet. I want to encourage you, try fasting. Because there are some things that will only happen through prayer and fasting. There are some things that, that, that comes before and so I want to encourage you this morning to take that next step and say, you know what, I, I, I've been praying. Okay, God, I'm going to try fasting. I'm going to set aside uh, my lunch hour today at work, and instead of having lunch, I'm going to take that hour and I'm going to pray for this thing. Whether it's once a day, once a week, once a month, to saying, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to set aside a time where I'm going to dedicate it to you. God, believe me that you're able to. Because, God, I know you can. I want to believe. And God, help me to overcome my unbelief. Right? Don't allow the world to discourage you. Don't allow others to, to say, you know what? I don't think that's possible. Yes. What did it say here? It said, everything is possible to the one who believes. Everything. That means there's nothing in this world that's impossible. Right? I, I think of, of Carol Ranke, who's over in our preschool class. Some of you already know the story. She's been declared free of cancer this last week down at Mayo. The doctor literally said, it's a God thing that this happened. God is able to heal and restore individuals to bring healing in their bodies. And I'm believing that there are some of you in here this morning, whether it's right now or in the days to come, that God is going to do the same with you in your life. We are heirs in the family of God. We are co-heirs. In Christ. And so this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer up here at the front. Myself and a few of our leaders are going to be up here. And there's going to be a song that's going to be playing as we come into our prayer time. And the song is called, Who You Say I Am by Hillsong. And I want you, if, if you're not praying, I want to encourage you to take a moment and maybe look at, listen to the lyrics of the song. Or maybe when you go home today, look it up and say, you know, Who, who You Say I Am lyrics by Hillsong. So I believe this is very powerful. Because sometimes we forget who we are. We lose that identity. We lose our, our purpose because we forget who we are. Who are we? We are heirs in the family of Christ. We are children of God. And he can do all things.
So as this song uh, plays, myself and a few of our other leaders will be up here. If you'd like prayer this morning, maybe it deals with one of these things that I listed off in our list with your marriage, your family, your job, your house, your finances, deliverance, whatever it may be. Or maybe it has nothing to do with that. That's okay. This morning you can feel free to come forward for prayer for whatever you'd like. And as always, the altars are open. You don't have to come to one of us. If you want to come and find a spot all by yourself, that is totally fine as well. Father, we thank you this morning, first and foremost, for who you are. As our Lord, as our, our Father, our Creator, as one who longs to have a relationship with each and every one of us. God, we thank you for the love that you have. Father, I, I think of, of yesterday, uh, I, I was celebrating a, at a birthday party with a young child, while at the same time there was a funeral that was taking place for a young child that had lost their life. And just thinking about the love that you have, that you're there as we celebrate in the midst of that time uh, of another year of life and looking forward at what you have, but yet you're there to console, you're there to grieve and to mourn and to, to comfort and to be with a family God who is dealing with the unthinkable. I, I just, we, we can't even fathom that kind of love that covers all things, that, that, that's at all places, at all times. Just at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Your love is there, it's evident. You're in the midst of those moments. Father, I pray today that as we go out, Father, you would help us to continue to believe in who you are. To believe that you can do all things. To believe that everything is possible to the one who believes. God, help us in our unbelief. When we become discouraged or we begin to question or doubt. God, help us in our unbelief to say, nope, nope. God, remind us of who you are. Through your word, through other individuals, God. Through whatever means, remind us of who you are and your promises and what your word says. That we may continue to believe in who you are. God, help us to continue to remember our identity as sons and daughters of yours, as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. God, help us to continue to hope for what we have not yet seen. As we wait patiently, as we pray and we fast and we wait, God, for what it is you're going to do, we hope and we believe that you're able to do those things. God, we pray for provision, we pray for deliverance, we pray for healing, we pray for restoration, we pray for renewing. God, we pray that you would work in each and all situations, God, for your glory, for your kingdom, that you may receive our honor and glory. Father, we just thank you this morning for this time that we could gather together. Father, as we go out now, I pray you give us a boldness and a confidence, God, to be the light in the darkness around us. God, to be a witness, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to Chisholm, to the Iron Range and around the world. Father, we pray for opportunities to show the love of Jesus to others around us. We know that you can. We know you can. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.